Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Hey, thank you, John. Will you guys help me thank the worship team for leading us this morning? Always appreciate them. So we've had, a, we've had a really good morning, actually. You guys saw we baptized five people at the 9 o'clock service, which was just incredible. Uh, one of the guys we baptized, a little guy named Ace, only six years old. He was so pumped up to get baptized. A couple of the others, uh, they, they just recently just felt like God tugging on their heart. They, they've been around the church for most of their lives, but they, they just recently felt like, you know what? God wants me to take this step of faith. And so they signed up. They got baptized. It's really emotional and exciting. Baptisms are always so exciting and emotional. And uh, if you're ever interested in learning about baptism, let us know. We do them every month. So once a month, we'll do baptisms. We'd love to teach you. If you have a child who wants to learn about it, we'd love to help you guys with that. We are just always excited about that. So I hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Did you guys have a good time with your family and friends? Eating some turkey. And now it's uh, turkey leftover time, which is maybe even better than real turkey at the dinner table. I don't know. I love, I love turkey sandwiches. Uh, but, but here's the thing. So today we're going to kind of shift gears. Um, we just finished up a, uh, a series on, on grace. What do you know about grace? Next week we're going to start a Christmas series. In between here we're going to talk today about generous living. You just saw it there. We'll see it in a, a, again in a second. But I wanted to fill you in really quickly on our Christmas series coming up next week. It's titled God with us. And so what we're going to do starting next week is we're going to do a three-week series. It's going to be kind of like an Advent series. And so if you've ever celebrated, you guys know what Advent is around here? So Advent is a time each year where, where Christians around the globe, they prepare their hearts for the birth of Jesus. They prepare their hearts for Christmas. And, and so Christians pause and they take uh, each week to kind of prepare and celebrate and focus on a different part of, of Jesus' uh, ministry and what he came to secure for us. And that term Advent, it simply means coming or arrival. And so Advent prepares us for the first coming of Jesus. He was born in a manger, right, in Bethlehem. We celebrate his first Advent, but also during Advent, we look forward to his second Advent because Jesus, yes, he came as a a lamb, but he's coming once again as a lion. Did you guys know that? Jesus will return again as a lion. And so we take time throughout this series to celebrate Jesus, prepare our hearts for Jesus. And so we have a short series, God with us. It's three weeks. It's going to culminate with a candlelight service on December 19th. So we're going to have candlelight services here Sunday, uh, December 19th. We're going to have four services, 9, 11, uh, 4, and 6. And what I want you guys to know about those services, we're going to be handing out invitations. And these invitations are going to be in the form of a ticket. And it's going to have information about how to register for these services. We want you to take these invitations home with you. We're going to have them available starting next week. Invite your friends. Invite your neighbors. Invite your family members. Uh, there's information about how to register on for service. And, and we're encouraging registration because we want to, we want to be safe. We want, to, uh, we want to be safe with the amount of people we pass 
pack into the room for these services. So we're encouraging people to register. But that being said, we're not going to require registration. And the reason why is because we want this to be an outreach. Okay, we want you to be able to invite your friends, your neighbors, whoever, to come and hear about Jesus. And we're going to help you guys invite because we're going to be inviting the community as well. This Saturday, we're participating in the Lemoore uh, Christmas Parade. So we have built a float. This is my first time seeing the parade, and I guess uh, we're in it now. So here we go. It's going to be fun. So we built a float. Uh, we're going to promote the, the candlelight services. We're also going to promote those at the Christmas dinner, which we're sponsoring as a church. And we just want to get in front of our community and just let the community know we're here. We'd love to worship with you. Love to teach you more about Jesus for Christmas. It is a great time to invite. So don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Invite your friends. Can you guys do that for me? Invite your oikos. We talked about oikos last week. Your friends, your family members, everybody connected to you. God wants to use you. Invite those people. And one more thing I want to say. The 6 p.m. service is going to be a little different this year. And the reason it's going to be different is because the 6 p.m. service is going to be a bilingual service. And uh, the reason we wanted to do that, me and Jonathan, so Jonathan's our next-gen pastor, he started in Spanish ministry. That's where he started ministry. And uh, so he's fluent at Spanish. His dad speaks primarily Spanish. We've gone to Mexico and preached at churches together in Mexico, him and I. And we've done these services together, and they're awesome. And so John and his worship team, they're going to bring in some Spanish songs into the worship set at the 6 p.m. service. Jonathan and I, we're going to preach together. Uh, he's going to be translating the sermon. He'll translate Marcus. It's going to be awesome. So if you have friends who speak Spanish or family members who speak Spanish, come to that service. If you've never seen a bilingual service, come to the service. It's fun. If you've never seen one, they are a ton of fun. So, so that's something new we're going to do this year. We figure it's a little risky, but, but we're doing it because we love people, we love our community, and we want to make an impact for Jesus, right? So... That's everything you need to know about Christmas. We're starting next week. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into this morning's sermon. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the time that we've had on Thursday, gathering with friends, gathering with family, gathering with people we love to say thanks. And God, as, as, as we look back over our lives, it doesn't matter what we're going through or where we're coming from today, or what we've endured over the past year, past year, the reality is we all have reasons to be thankful. And so I pray, God, for contentment. Contentment in our hearts, contentment in our lives. And I also pray, God, that we would see our blessings, count our blessings, and that we would leverage our blessings to bless others. You've blessed this church richly. You've blessed these families richly to be a blessing to the world. And so I pray that as we talk today about generous living, that we'd be reminded that you've blessed us and you want to turn us around and help us to be a blessing to our community, our friends, our family, the world around us. We thank you for your, your kindness and your love and your patience with us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. So today's sermon is titled Generous Living. And I wanted to preach on this today for a couple reasons. One is we just had Thanksgiving where we pause and we thank God. We look around the table. We see our friends. We see our family members. We're eating some good food. Now, there's debate over whether or not uh, 
turkey dinners are really good. Um, I like turkey dinners. Some people just hate turkey. I see a bunch of people shaking their head no, okay? So I, I get that. But, but turkey leftovers, you can't argue with that, right? Those are so good. So uh, we got to sit around the table, thank God for our food, thank God for our housing, thank God for our family. So many things to celebrate. But then what's so funny, the next day after we thank God, we hit the streets for Black Friday, right? And just start going crazy. Like, thank you, God. Okay, now here's all my money to, to buy new toys for Christmas. Now, so then we go crazy. And then Tuesday, a new thing that's been happening uh, in America and around the globe is something called Giving Tuesday. And that was introduced just because the holidays are crazy. And the holidays are also a, a great time to be generous, to bless other people. So in the, in the, in the craziness and the wild, you know, shopping and all of that stuff, it's a reminder to pause, to slow down, and to see needs and try to meet those needs. And so I was thinking with all of that stuff going on, it might be a good time right now to pause and talk about generosity. And and here's what I want you to wrestle through this morning. It's very, very simple. And it's this. If Jesus had your life, if Jesus had your resources, if Jesus had your home, your car, your dinner table, your job, How would he use those resources, those blessings, to impact others for good? How would Jesus leverage your life for gospel impact? How would he leverage your health for gospel impact? How would he leverage your finances for gospel impact? How would he leverage your time for gospel impact? If Jesus had your life, how would he use it to be a blessing to others. Generous living is about leveraging your entire life for kingdom impact. If Jesus had your life, your talents, your resources, how would he use them? Now this is what generosity in the New Testament looked like. So generosity in the New Testament, it was holistic. It wasn't just committed to finances. It was committed to your whole life, your time, your talents, your treasures, It's looking at your whole life, the time God gives you, the special abilities that God gives you. You and I, we have different unique abilities, abilities that we we were given when we were born. Okay, God gave you special gifts the day you breathed your first breath. He gave you special gifts. He also gave you more gifts the moment you received the Holy Spirit. You received the Holy Spirit and you received, what do we call these things? What? Spiritual gifts. You have gifts to be used for the glory of God. And so generous living is, is, is assessing your life, looking at what you have, what you've been given, the blessings in your world, and asking, how could I use my blessings to bless others? Now, Christians understand that we've been blessed to be a blessing, and and we're all learning how to grow in our generosity. Okay, sometimes it's harder to be generous than other times, and especially during COVID. Okay, we're talking about generosity during a pandemic, which is not an easy topic during a pandemic because we see the world flipped upside down, and when the world's flipped upside down, we tend to, to hold on, close our fists and hold on more tightly. But one thing I want you to see today, too, is this. There's never been a greater time to be generous than now. Because generosity means more to people now than ever before. Acts of kindness, acts of generosity, reaching out to people, loving people means more to people now in the middle of a pandemic than it has ever meant throughout 
the history of the world. This is, this is a great time to be generous. And so I want to give you, if you want to grow in generosity, if you want to grow by, in being a generous person, generous with your whole life, not just in the area of finances, but your whole life, if you want to grow in generosity, I want to give you three keys for generosity this morning. And key number one to grow in generosity, to, to live a generous life is this. Think like a steward. When the Bible talks about generosity, it, it describes us as stewards. Think like a steward. Look at these passages. Psalm 24, 1 says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. Next passage, 1 Chronicles 29. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Deuteronomy 8, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the power to get wealth. What we learn in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, is this one important fact, something I want you to remember today when you leave this place, and it's this. God owns everything. God owns everything. As the creator and the sustainer of the universe, everything that we have as human beings is a gracious gift from God. Your health is a gift. Your home is a gift. Your children are gifts. Your family is a gift. The food at your table is a gift. That delicious turkey is a gift. That dry turkey was even a gift. Not a great gift, but it was a gift. Everything you have in this life is a gift from the Lord. He owns it all. And so as Christians, one thing that we realize, and maybe you're not a Christian today, and so this might be new for you, but as Christians, one thing that we acknowledge is, is that everything belongs to God. My life is God's. My resources are God's. My time is God's. Even my children belong to the Lord. Everything that I have belongs to the Lord. Listen to this passage. God says this. He says, for all the animals of the forest are whose? Mine. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Okay, we know a thing or two about cows around here, all right? God owns all of them. He owns all of them. I know every bird on the mountains. I, I, I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For all the world is mine and everything in it. God owns it all. And if God owns it all, then everything that you and I have as human beings is a gracious gift from him. God's the one who gives wealth. God's the one who gives success. God's the one who gives the gift of time, health, intellect, natural talents, children, so on and so forth. God is the giver of life. It all comes from him and is to be used for him. And when he sees you and he sees you using your gifts well, what we learn about in scripture is that if you're faithful over little, he'll set you over what? Much. If you're faithful with the gifts that I give you, then I'm going to give you even more because I see what you do with little. And so now I'm going to give you more, give you much. I see how you utilize the gifts in your life. One of the cool things about God is that God delights in giving us awesome stuff. 
God delights in giving us awesome stuff. And this is not a health, wealth, prosperity kind of sermon. This is just reality of God. God likes giving you cool things. He does. And this, is, this shouldn't surprise us. Because if, if you're a parent in this room this morning, or you're a grandparent in the room this morning, or you're a, even an uncle or an aunt, then you know what it's like to give gifts, the joy of giving gifts, right? When you're a, a daddy, don't, isn't it, doesn't it feel so good to give your kids gifts as a daddy or as a mommy or as a grandma or a grandpa? I heard it's even better as a grandparent to give gifts. It's even more fulfilling as a grandparent. We love blessing our kids with amazing things. That's why we will go out on Black Friday and get a black eye at, the, at, the, at Walmart in order to get that perfect toy. Okay, Because we love giving our kids good things. There's nothing wrong with that. You know why we do that? Because God is a giver who loves giving us good things. We learn that from our Heavenly Father. A couple weeks ago was my daughter's seventh, birth, seventh birthday. And uh, my mom, she calls her Gigi, sent her this hoverboard in the mail. And uh, it, it showed up and I opened it and my first thought was, no way am I going to let her ride this hoverboard. And, and typically, I'm not against these kinds of things, but I went out in the, in the driveway and rode it, and I almost crashed. I'm like, there's no way she's going to be able to ride this thing. Well, my, my mom comes into town. She came into town last week, and she hopped on this thing. She, Grandma hopped on this thing and taught Blake how to ride a hoverboard. So, so don't underestimate your grandparents, all right? Never underestimate Grandpa and Grandma. It's pretty awesome. So this is Blake. So excited, loves her hoverboard. She puts on some music, has speakers in it, all right? Puts on some music, and she's just jamming in her own world. There's all these people around. She's cruising around, listening to music, singing songs, happy as can be. But you know who's even happier when they see this? Gigi. Gigi's the happiest one. Because it's, it's more blessed to what? To give than to receive. God is a giver. A good father who delights in blessing his children with wonderful gifts. But there's, there's a caveat here, and it's this. When God gives you something good, he expects you to use it well. When God gives you something good, a good job, a, 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 a cool whatever you have, your, a possession, a relationship, a financial situation, um, a home, whatever good thing your children, when God gives you something good, he expects you to use those good things to his glory, to use them well. And he promises that if you're faithful over little, he'll set you over much. God loves giving you good things, but he also holds you accountable to those gifts. How are you using those gifts? How are you using those talents? How are you using those finances? How are you using that dinner table? How are you using that home, that house, whatever good thing he has given you? Are you using it for good? That's the biblical idea of stewardship. Okay, that's where biblical stewardship comes into play. Randy Alcorn, he says this about stewardship. He says, a steward manages assets for the owner's benefit. He carries no sense of entitlement to the assets he manages. It's his job to find out what the owner wants done with his assets, then to carry out his will. That's what stewardship is in the Bible. God has given you amazing gifts, but they are God's. 
And the question is, will you use those gifts well? So the, the word steward comes from the Greek term oikonomos. Okay, it kind of sounds like economics. Oikonomos. Oikonomos comes from two Greek words. The first is oikos. We learned this word last week. By the way, you're going to hear me mention this word quite a bit. I mentioned last week oikos does not mean yogurt, okay? Oikos means house or household, extended household, everyone connected to you. I want you to reach your oikos. You're going to hear, you're going to, you're going to hear me say this so much you're going to get sick of it. And guess what? When you're sick of it, I'm still going to keep saying it because... I believe God has called us to reach the people around us. I believe that to my very core. That's why I'm in ministry today. So oikos, that's the first part of the word. The second part of the word is a a Greek verb, nemo. Nemo means to manage. So oikonomos means household manager. That's what we are. Every gift we've been given, they, they belong to God. We are just managing all of those gifts for God, on God's behalf. And this is exactly how we're called to view our resources. We are stewards of our resources. We are not owners. And so a simple way to think about stewardship is to ask this question. If Jesus had your resources, how would he use them? How would Jesus use your backyard for ministry? How would Jesus use your car for ministry? How would Jesus use your bike for ministry? How would Jesus use your connections, your unique connections, your gifts, your talents, your finances, your passions, whatever you've been given, the gifts that you have, how would he use those things for ministry? That is biblical stewardship. And so one thing I want to encourage you to do, if you are a believer today, think like a steward. Look at the blessings in your life. You counted those blessings on Thursday and ask God, God, you gave me these for a reason. How do you want me to steward them? How do you want me to use them? Who can I reach through these things? Who can I impact? Who, what do you want me to do with my resources? God, they're yours. They're not mine. How do you want me to use them? That's point number one. Point number two is this. Prioritize people over possessions. So if you want to grow in generosity... If you want to live generously, like Jesus lived generously, then you prioritize people over possessions. And this is really important, especially right now. We're hitting the holiday seasons, right? Uh, Christmas time. Christmas time is all about one word, possessions. The newest, latest, amazing thing that you can get around your tree. And, and I just want to tell you this. Possessions aren't bad. But you know what's bad is when we put this above this. When we put stuff above people, when we put possessions above our neighbor, when we put things above our family, one of the things that we see in Scripture that God calls us to do is to put people first, to prioritize people over possessions. Jesus says this, a famous passage. He says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
So Jesus, he presents two ways of looking at finances. One is to invest in the short term, the here and now. The other is to invest in the long term, what will last forever. And, and, and one thing I want you to see today is this. Uh, Jesus talked about finances quite often. I don't know if you know this, but there are over 2,300 verses in the Bible devoted to the topic of money. So that's more, to put it in perspective, more than the topics of faith and prayer combined. 15% of Jesus' teachings were focused on money. That's more than his teachings on heaven and hell combined. Why so much on this topic? Well, contrary to popular belief, the Bible is not against money. Okay, money isn't evil. Money isn't this bad, terrible thing. Money is a great servant and a powerful tool if it is seen correctly and used rightly. The question, though, that Jesus confronts people with, the question that the Bible confronts people with when it comes to this topic of money, the Bible knows, God knows what money can do to us, right? We've seen money do strange things to people, turn people into strange versions of themselves that they never anticipated becoming. And so what the Bible is is, is trying to point out and trying to make us wrestle through when it comes to this topic of money is this. Does money control you or do you control it? That's the question. Does money control you or do you control it? Do your possessions control you or do you control your possessions? Who's in charge? Okay, so so money is not bad. Money is actually a good thing. It's a great blessing. Uh, if If you have the ability to make money, make it. Make as much money as you can. Make as much money as you want to. Money is not bad. Money is a wonderful servant. But what what you need to know about money today is this: money is a wonderful servant. But you know what else it is? It's a terrible master. Money is a terrible master. Maybe you have experienced what it's like to be owned by your money. To be up late at night, unable to sleep because you're worried about your money. You're worried about your spending habits. You're worried about that credit card that you went too far on. You're worried about that next possession. Okay, Money is a great servant. It is here. It's a blessing. We need it as human beings to survive. We need it to put a roof over our heads, food on our plates. Nothing wrong with that. The question is, does your money control you or do you control it? And so the Bible warns when when talking about money, it gives this warning. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So money itself is not evil, but what is? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so one thing I want to help you process today is this. Are you using your money or is your money using you? And one of the best ways to discover the truth of that is to actually follow the numbers. To follow the numbers. Now this is a scary thought. Okay, well, We're not going to do this to you, but this is, this is a really scary thought. But I, I think it's a helpful thought. What if we had the opportunity right now to open up your financial situation and take a look? What if we took a look at your bank statements, your credit card spending, your, the ways you used your money? What would we, some of you are smiling right now, okay? What would we discover about you? What would we learn about what you value, about where you find your security? Now, we're not going to do that to you, okay? We're not going to do that. But if we did that, what would we learn 
about you. When it comes to your money, what, what are we going to learn about what you value? Where do you find security? Okay, uh, uh, are you living within your means? Or do you go way outside of your means? Do you know how to save? Or are you living paycheck to paycheck, not because you're not bringing in enough, but because you're spending way too much? Do you give? Or do you hoard and hoard and hoard and hoard? What would we learn about you if we were to follow the numbers? We're not going to do that to you. Praise God. But you should do that to you. You should take a moment and follow the numbers. Open up the checkbook. Open up the bank statements. Look at the credit card and ask, God, Am I using my money in a way that honors you or am I trapped in this cycle where money is using me? Well, mature disciples, they understand that money is a tool for ministry. Yes, it's a necessity of life. Yes, it's a wonderful resource. But just like every resource, God intends that we leverage our money, our resources for the kingdom of God. And so in Matthew 6, Jesus presents two paths. Path number one is to invest in the here and now, to store up earthly treasures, okay? Just, just to, to all, everything you think about is right here, right now, what's right in front of you, and you could store up as many earthly treasures as possible. But Jesus warns, if you want to take that path, it's totally up to you. If you want to take that path, though, one day all of those things will fade. Money runs out, things get old, and here's the other problem. You will leave all of those things behind one day. Because your car doesn't go with you to heaven. Neither does your iPhone. Neither does, I was going to say your iPod, but we don't use those anymore. Um, your Apple Watch, I don't know, right? We don't, those things don't go with us anywhere. They, when, we, when we pass away, we're not like Egyptians, right? We don't bury ourselves with a hoard of treasure so that we can enjoy the treasures in the afterlife. Maybe you, I, I don't think you do that. I would suggest you don't do that, okay? Because we don't bring our stuff with us. But you know, but Jesus gives another option. He says, okay, you can invest in the here and now and, and, and moth and rust will destroy and thieves will break in and steal. Or you can invest in what will last forever. You could send your money on ahead of you. You could send your, your treasure on ahead of you. And you can invest in something that will last forever where thieves will not break in and steal, where moth and rust cannot destroy. You can invest in what will last forever. And, and what he's talking about here is this. When, when we invest in the here and now, all of those things will never experience them again when we pass away. But you know what does come with us in the afterlife? You know what can cross over? People. People. And so the question is, do I want to use my resources to impact people or do I want to use my resources to hoard up as much as I can in this short life? John D. Rockefeller, when he passed away, he was one of the wealthiest men to have ever lived. When he passed away, someone went to his accountant and they asked his accountant, so how much money did Mr. Rockefeller leave behind? I'm so curious, how much did he leave? And the accountant paused and she's like, well, you know what, to come to think about it, uh, he, he left um, all of it. Left all of it behind. She didn't give a figure because it actually didn't matter. He didn't get to experience any of his money in the afterlife. Everything that we accumulate when it comes to earthly possessions, all of those things will be left behind. But what can come with us, the things that could come with us are people. Our neighbors can come with us. The students at Lamore Christian High or Lamore High School could come with us. 
We're, we're going to the Lamore uh, Christmas parade because we want to see people come to know Jesus. We care about people. When, when you're a Christian, when you love people, what you decide in that moment is, you know what? I want to use my stuff to impact people because people matter more than things. My things won't go with me, but man, my kids can. My neighbor can. My coworker can. The people I interact with at the gym, they could come with me. And so I'm going to open up my home and I'm going to put food on my dinner table, invite them over, and I'm going to give to different things to, to, to further the mission, to further the proclamation of the gospel because I care more about people than possessions. It makes me think of the movie Toy Story 4. You guys ever see this movie Toy Story 4? Now, one thing I've learned about this church, and I'm a little concerned. Every time I mention a Disney movie, I get like two people who understand this Disney movie, all right? So I mentioned Disneyland, and nobody goes to Disneyland around here. Uh, I mentioned it. So let me, let me fill you in. If you don't know about Toy Story, this guy, you guys remember this guy? This guy's Woody, all right? Uh, Woody is kind of a big deal in Toy Story. Well, in Toy Story 4, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, grandparents is a great one to watch with your grandkids, parents. This is a good one to watch with your kids. Toy Story 4. In Toy Story 4, there's a new character, and his name is Forky. Forky is this strange little guy who is literally made of trash. Bonnie goes to the trash can, pulls out a spork. That's how you know it was happening at school. You guys remember using sporks? They'd always break every time you'd stab something. Okay, that's Forky. So pulls out the spork, pulls out the pipe cleaners, piece of gum, builds this little toy. Now Bonnie has all these amazing toys. Buzz Lightyear, Woody, Bo Peep, Jesse, all these amazing toys. But when she comes home with this little piece of trash that she turned into a toy, Forky becomes her favorite toy. Now at first that hurts Woody's feelings because Woody is always number one. If you guys watch the other movies, right? Woody is always number one. He's the most played with. He's the most loved. He's the main character. Well, Woody has a change of heart in this series, in this movie. Because Woody, all of a sudden, he's like, you know what? I'm more concerned about Bonnie's happiness than my own happiness. And so he realized Forky made Bonnie happy. Problem was that Forky was a terrible toy. And he would get lost and he'd run away and he'd get captured by people. and Not by people, by toys. Um, And so, so... Woody was doing everything he could to protect Forky. He'd sacrifice sleep. He'd sacrifice his, his body. He ended up sacrificing his voice box, which is a really big deal in Toy Story, but you guys wouldn't know that because you haven't seen it yet. Okay, so he sacrifices all of these things in order to protect Forky and keep Forky united with Bonnie. And at the end of the movie, what happens is Woody begins to fade into the background and Forky and all these other toys fade into the foreground and Bonnie is happy and smiling and Woody is nowhere to be found. But the reason Bonnie is happy is because of all the work that Woody was doing behind the scenes. Woody gets zero credit for the amazing joy that Bonnie gets to experience. But you know what? Although Woody's name was nowhere, his fingerprints were everywhere. That's what it's like to give. When we give, although our name is nowhere, our fingerprints are everywhere. 
When I hopped into that baptismal today and got to baptize five people, I didn't see anybody's name on that baptismal. But everybody who has contributed to the mission of this church got to celebrate, got to participate in the rewards and the benefits of what happened in that tank. Your name may have been nowhere, but your fingerprints, South Valley, were all over the, the, the changed life in that tank. Can I get an amen? When we see someone come to Christ at this church, your name may be nowhere in that event, but guess what? Your fingerprints are all over it. If this is your church home and you contribute to the mission here, your name may be nowhere, but your fingerprints are everywhere. When you go to the kids' building and you see the amazing things happening for our students in that room, the skits and the, and the teaching and the fun and all the cool stuff that happens that's funded by the giving, the generosity, the amazing generosity of the people who call this church home. Guess what? There are no names up on the walls in that room, but your fingerprints are everywhere. When our youth gather on Wednesday nights, we just launched a youth group. We now have 70 kids gathering every Wednesday for youth. We had six kids gathering when Jonathan started. Six. Now we have 70. He renovated the sanctuary. We've spiced it up. We are doing amazing things for students. When I go into that sanctuary I don't, or that chapel, I don't see anybody's names on the walls. But I know that this is happening because of the generosity and the love of this church. Your name is nowhere, but your fingerprints are everywhere. That's what it's like to give. And this church doesn't just support the ministry here. We support global ministry. Okay, your name is nowhere in Kenya. But guess what? If you give here, your fingerprints are all over Kenya. Your fingerprints are all over Lamore Christian Aid. Your fingerprints are all over King's Gospel Mission. Your fingerprints are all over Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Your fingerprints are all over Guatemala. Your fingerprints are all over Mexico. Your fingerprints are all over the amazing things that we get to do. Church planting, supporting GHC, all the amazing things that we get to do. Your name may be nowhere, but your fingerprints are everywhere. That is the joy of generosity. And so... Randy Alcorn commenting on this, he says this, you can't take your wealth with you, but you know what you can do? You can send it on ahead. Prioritize people over possessions. The third and final way, key to be generous, is to give sacrificially. Give sacrificially. Now, I need to admit that, that in preparing this sermon, this was the hardest point for me to process this week because I realize that we are still living in a pandemic, and we don't know how much longer this pandemic is going to last. It just keeps going on and on and on and on, right? And so I know that this pandemic has impacted people financially. And so talking about giving when we know people are hurting financially, it's not an easy thing to, to talk about. But here's the thing. When we talk about sacrificial giving, uh, to sacrifice means to do something that's, that's easy. It means doing something that's hard. And here's the cool thing about giving sacrificially right now, right here during COVID, is that giving means more to people now than ever before. Generosity for those who are struggling, for those who are hurting, we have, for instance, we have a fund that helps people in need, financial need within our church. Generosity means more to people now than ever before. And the reason, the reason we give sacrificially, the reason we give even when it's hard, is because we have seen from Jesus what it means to give even when it's hard. When you think about Jesus' life, 
How amazing do you think heaven was before he left it? How rich was Jesus when he was sitting next to his father at the right hand of God? How wealthy was he? But you know what he did? He was born in a manger, surrounded by animals. I don't think any of your kids were born surrounded by animals. Jesus was born surrounded by the smell of animals. Born to a poor teenage woman. Growing up as a peasant, a marginalized peasant, under Roman rule. He, He didn't have rights. He didn't have protection. He left the the wealth of heaven, the riches of heaven, and became a lowly servant, sacrificed it all, even to the point of death, death on a cross. Why? Because he prioritized you and me over the riches of heaven. What does that say to us? When we prioritize our phone over blessing somebody else. Jesus left it all behind. I'm not telling you how much to leave behind or how much to give. That's, that's between you and God. But Jesus is our model. Listen to what 2 Corinthians says. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. N.T. Wright, he comments on this. He says this, When Jesus, for the sake of us all, became poor, we become rich. When the Jesus pattern of dying and rising of riches to poverty to riches is acted out, the power of the gospel is let loose afresh in the world and the results are incalculable. You'll never understand the joy of sacrificial giving until you understand the joy that Jesus had when he sacrificed his body on the cross for us. Jesus went to the cross Endured the pain of crucifixion because you were more important to him than for him to just sit back in heaven and do nothing. You were more important to him, your salvation, your joy, you living with him forever in heaven was far more important to him than the riches of heaven. He emptied himself. He laid it all aside. He came, he lived, uh, he, w- he was not somebody that was attractive. Okay, if we were God, born into this world, and had a chance to make ourselves however we wanted to make ourselves, I doubt we would have written the story that Jesus wrote. We would probably, probably would have chose a palace, probably would have chose to look like Brad Pitt or something. I don't know. I don't know what you would, who you'd want to look like. Jesus was lowly, a servant. He, he sacrificed it all. He gave it all for us. And so the first step to generosity is to understand Jesus. And so for some of you in the room this morning, uh, the the application for the sermon today is is not to give financially. The application to to the sermon today is to give your life to Jesus. That's the application. Because until you understand the generosity of Jesus, you'll never understand generosity in your own life. Because we as, as human beings, our natural tendency as human beings is to hoard and to ha- hold onto things with closed fists tightly because, because you've got to protect what's yours. And if you don't hold on to it, somebody's there to take it from you. But the moment you believe in Jesus and you see his generosity and his love and you're reminded of the fact that God is going to take care of you 
and he's going to bless you and he's going to provide for you. And when you're faithful over little, he's going to give you more and set you over much. He's a giver. And then all of a sudden, you see the love and the joy and the generosity of God. And so instead of being like this, you start to act like this. You open up your hands and you say, God, you got me. Everything's yours. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be concerned. I don't need to be worried about paying my bills. You got my back. And so if you want to grow in generosity, the first step is to be a believer. So if you want to pray and receive Jesus today, talk to me after service. The other steps, though, is is to grow in one of these areas. Think like a steward. Prioritize people over possessions. Give sacrificially. What one is Jesus calling you to do this week? How is Jesus calling you to wrap up this year? What are some areas that you could grow in, in the area of generous living? If you want some basic tips just for this week, I'm going to throw a couple on the screen. Number one, for the holiday season, shop locally and tip well. This is a great time to, we're going to be spending money for the holidays. Spend it out here. Bless the local businesses. And when you go out to eat, especially if you eat after church on a Sunday, okay, especially then, tip well. Okay, don't leave South Valley and then go to Chili's and rip your waitress off, all right? Go to South Valley, then go to Chili's and bless your waitress. I was eating hot wings with my dad the other day and and he walked out. We left a tip. It was only like a $20 bill. We left a tip. And then as we were walking out, he threw another $20 onto the tip. And and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and was like, this is awesome. Like this is a simple way to bless people for the holidays. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to go give an extra $20, but, but tip well, all right? Number two, surprise someone with an act of generosity. Maybe when you go to Dutch Brothers this week or when you go to In-N-Out or when you go to Starbucks and you see people behind you, maybe buy their, buy their meal. Uh, and maybe they're only getting one coffee. Maybe they're getting five. Who knows? But if you just, just surprise somebody, surprise your neighbor, surprise someone on the street, surprise someone with an act of generosity, meet, see a need and meet it. Number three, support the Thanksgiving offering. Marcus announced the Thanksgiving offering. The first 15,000 is going to go to support the Christmas dinner. We're going to feed 2,000 people. We're going to give toys to all these kids. We're also going to bless the foster care kids. And so if you want to support that, give to the Thanksgiving offering. Everything beyond the 15,000 is going to go to the campus here. We're going to update some things on the campus that have needed help for a long time. Maybe a shade structure, update the lobby, a new cry room, just kind of makes things a little more accessible and easier to interact and do ministry on the campus. Number four uh, is to sign up for recurring donations. If South Valley is your home, and you want to make giving, generosity, a regular part of your worship to God, then I want to encourage you to consider signing up for recurring donations. Okay, my wife and I, at the end of every year, we, we pause, we pray, we think about the new year. God, how much do you want us to give in 2021? How much do you want us to give in 2022? We determine a number. It's not spontaneous. We think, we pray, we talk. Once we determine that number, we then sign up for recurring donations. And every week or every other week or every month, depending, we have that taken out so that giving is a regular 
rhythm in our lives. And it just comes out. We, the first, our first fruits go straight to God. And so if South Valley is your home, I'd encourage you to consider signing up for recurring donations. It's safe, it's secure, it's easy to do. You could do it all online. But these are simple steps. And so my encouragement to you, South Valley, you are a blessing. I want you to know that. You are a blessing. You've blessed this community. You've blessed the kids. You've blessed the youth. You've blessed ministry across the globe. You are a blessing. Continue to live generously. Leverage this season of life. Leverage the holidays for generous living because God has blessed you to be a blessing to the world. Can I get an amen? Let's pray. And we're gonna close out with one more song. God, I thank you so much for the generosity of this group. It's amazing what you've done through the people in this room. We've been able to bless so many ministries, so many lives. And, and for those who give, although our name is nowhere when we give, our fingerprints are everywhere. And so I pray that you would remind the folks here who make giving a priority in this church, I pray that you'd remind them that they are making a massive impact for the gospel and that they would think beyond giving financially into, into actually leveraging every area of their life. How can they use their dinner table? How can they use their home? How can they use their relationships to, to further the kingdom of God, help them to open up their lives, to be generous in all things? We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. We got one more.